Healing from enmeshment trauma can be incredibly difficult because there's so much shame, embarrassment, and confusion wrapped up, wrapped up into it that nothing makes sense. Well, welcome back. That's what I want to help you do today is to make sense of it. And to do that, I'm going to share some of my life story as to because I was severely enmeshed with. And this is not to disparage my parents or to disparage your parents. I'm a firm believer that nearly every single parent absolutely loves and adores us. They're doing the best week they can. But we don't teach about how to be a healthy Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And so, how would anyone know? Like, literally, how would they know? And so, they're just doing the best they can. Now, to me, it's incredibly loving to be honest and truthful. And so, do you hear the truth in what I'm saying? One, none of us have been taught how to be a parent. That's truth. And so, therefore, we're, we are not to blame. We're all doing the best we can with the information we have at the time. But, we are also responsible and it was also kind and loving to hold our parents accountable and ourselves as parents accountable. This isn't, you know, it's not just up there. We have to do it to ourselves. And so that's why I share these things. So hopefully you can hear that and navigate it within yourself in your own role as a parent, but with your parents as well. There is perfect. They did the best they could and imperfect. They made mistakes. And so we're acknowledging both. And that's love, is to acknowledge truth on both sides. So the first thing to recognize is I'm going to share seven basic things as far as how to heal. And what you're going to notice is the, this, this is a process to stop the self-abandonment because ultimately in an enmeshed dynamic, we had to abandon ourselves. We had to become what our parents needed because no one met their needs, and therefore, as a parent, they required us to meet it for them. And we abandon ourselves, and, and this is why there's so much shame, embarrassment, and confusion, is in most cases, we abandon ourselves both, both dis, in a disempowered way and a falsely empowered way. There are those that could just go disempowered or go primarily falsely empowered, but most of us, we bounce between both of them. All right. And so you're going to, you know, see that we self-abandon by either being the nice person, the people pleaser, compliant, subservient, or the falsely empowered, which are we become uber successful and driven and doers and judging and controlling and blamers and achievement oriented. So you're going to see in all of these that it's both sides of the coin because that's why it's so confusing. We never know up from down. And, and this is why this recovery was so difficult for me. Because I had no self. That was part of the thing I had to realize. And it took me decades to really understand that I was in my mid-20s and I was just an amoeba. 
I was a shell with nothing inside. And that's why I ended up with my, in my first marriage with a narcissist who was physically and verbally abusive. I didn't know. I remember I would lay in bed, even as an adult, thinking, I wonder who will choose me. I wonder if she'll be pretty. I wonder what she'll like. I literally had no concept that I was an individual who could make a choice and could pick who I wanted. And so this person came along, said we should get married. I was like, okay. In both my marriages, I didn't ask them to marry me. They asked me. That's how severe the enmeshment was. And that's the disempowered side of me that I didn't know I could choose. The second one was different. I was ready to choose her, but it's a long story as to why she ended up asking me. But the first one, without a doubt, I, I was just waiting. I was just waiting for someone to pick me. I didn't know I could choose. So let's get into the first step to recovering from this. And it's what I just admitted to you. We have to get into reality. We are detached from our core self. Most of us don't know that. We have to recognize that our parents used us for their benefit. Man, that is a tough pill to swallow. Because I know my parents adored me. I mean, I have some great memories. And I feel tremendous love from them. And that's the confusion. (laughs) Is there were moments they authentically and correctly were perfect in their love as a parent. But then there's the flip side, where they just completely used you. I'll never forget my mom being so drunk that she could barely stand. And she's, I don't, I won't do it because it'll, it'll traumatize you. But her staggering there and her looking, well, trying to look me in the eyes and just slurring, saying, you know, Kenny, the next time I want a drink, will you just hug me? That's enmeshment. My mother just made me responsible for her drinking and whether she stayed sober or not. That's confusing. It makes me omnipotent. My God, my mom really thinks I have the power to save her and that my hugs are so good. What a wonderful thing to hear from a mother. My hugs are so powerful that I can keep you sober. And then she, you know, Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. She got, you know, my mom would be sober four to six weeks and then in a walking coma for seven to ten days. And so to recognize, oh, I'm not that powerful. So how in the heck could I ever pick a woman when I'm raised with that confusion? I wouldn't know how. That doesn't make me bad. It doesn't make my mom bad. It's just truth. And so we have to get into reality that our parents used us because my mom didn't know, no one taught her how to take care of herself. And so my mom manipulated and used me for her benefit.
Our parents see us as a doll that they can mold into what they needed and wanted. And this is the shameful and embarrassing part. Then they gaslit us. And they did this by saying that they did everything they could for us out of love and in our best interest. Do you see the double bind we're placed in? Because it's true. They tried their hardest. And so we're caught. Did you hear even in, in me describing my mother, there's an element of me letting her. I mean, there's truth. She did the best she could, but there's a hunger in me to let her off the hook. That's the gaslighting. Because my, I was my mom's favorite. I was totally treated that way. And, and you know, then what my mom would do is when, my mom got sober the last 25 years of her life. Like she had tremendous courage. I get, and you know, she really did a lot of work, but even sober, any little, you know, grievance, my mom would just go, Oh, it's because I'm such a terrible mother. And I just try, Oh my God, I'm so bad. Like she just go into this. I mean, really grandiose. I'm such a terrible breakdown crying and the chin quiver. And like, it was almost theatrical. Well, do you see there's the gaslighting? Boom. Let me off the hook. Don't make me responsible. You're caught in this shame and embarrassment and confusion nonstop. My father, I wrote about this in my book, how I wrote him a letter when I was in college asking, I just want to learn how to be your friend. Now, I, I also talk in the book how that was manipulative. But at the time, there was a genuine, I wanted to get to know my father. He didn't respond. I come home from college. I'm staying with them. It's about two, three weeks. I'm there. Nothing. He hasn't spoken a word about this incredibly vulnerable letter where I was like, Dad, I know nothing about you. I don't know what your dreams were, what you like. I literally, I don't know you because I didn't. And finally, my dad comes up one day out of the, he worked in the basement. I'm standing in the kitchen. He says, you know, Kenny, I got your letter and you just need to get over that. Gaslit. They won't even acknowledge their perfect imperfections, that they made mistakes. That's what's so crippling about the enmeshed dynamic. Do you see shame? I'm stepping up asking, dad, I want a connection. Boom. Embarrassment. How dare you try to get to know me? Confusion. Wait a minute, you're my father. I'm supposed to love you. My mother, same thing. We must get into reality of the manipulative games that they played, whether they intended to or not. The truth is, they did. And our avoidance of that, of accepting that truth, is the loss of self. We choose to make excuses and minimize, suppress, repress, and deny how absolutely shameful, embarrassing, hurtful, and confusing all of those moments were. We won't accept the full weight of them. We let them off the hook. We are staying out of reality and staying enmeshed with them, and we have to get into truth and reality that we are now doing it to ourselves, and we must stop. That leads to step two. For us to reclaim ourselves and discover who we really are, we need 
to develop our own morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. We have to, again, get into reality and realize we gave ourselves away and we adopted their beliefs, their values, their needs and wants, their negotiables and non-negotiables. The way we look at the world politically, socially, in almost every case is a mirror of theirs. Now, there are those black sheep who did the complete opposite. Well, that complete opposite is you're still enmeshed with them. Those who went the opposite route, I'll never be like them. Do you see you're still enmeshed? Because it's still not authentically you. You just use hate and spite to go the opposite direction. Well, they still own you. That's still not, you're not authentic. Just because you want the complete opposite does not, it, it is actually a sign you are enmeshed. You still didn't make your own choice. You just went, I'll do anything but your choice. Not, hmm, is there merit to that choice? Well, maybe not as far as my parents want, but this has, part of it does. Do you see there's no choice there? There's no individuality. It's just a polar extreme. Well, that means you're still enmeshed. You haven't found yourself. And so we must develop our own morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. Now, the process to do that, I can't do in this video. I, but luckily for you, I've already done it. Well, I have master classes, but for those who don't want to invest in themselves yet, there's three videos under my codependence playlist titled Codependence Recovery. And then I can't remember the exact names, but there's, you'll see morals and values, needs and wants. Just Put it, go to the codependence playlist and look for codependence recovery. You'll see those three videos. They're right next to each other. Okay. They will teach you how to discover your morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. Now, to help you with the self-deception and denial that you're out of reality and to accept these truths of how you've taken on their beliefs, how going in the polar, polar opposite um, and being the black sheep you're still enmeshed with them, go to my codependent or my playlist titled self-deception slash denial. That will teach you how the denial and self-deception process works, all of those videos in there. So it'll help you get into reality so you can reclaim yourself. Step number three is learn to set your own boundaries. This is, we have to critically assess all of the choices we make. Am I making this because it's when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, and setting this boundary or pursuing this hobby, career, whatever it is, because it's what I want or what they want. See, that's what I realized. I played two pro sports to get my father's attention. I was very good at them. That's why if, when you learn about the worst day cycle and how all this works, listen to every single athlete. You're going to see they're all just reliving their trauma. Very few of them actually want to play the sport. That's why so many struggle post-career. Because just like me, they're just reliving pain. The act of, listen to how they talk about hitting a shot or tackling somebody or whatever. All they're describing is the pain they experienced in childhood. Now, that doesn't make it bad. It doesn't mean they shouldn't do it. But that's an enmeshed dynamic. 
That's somebody reliving their trauma against themselves, and they don't know it. It's true for your kids. Your kids' interest in all these different things. They're just exercising our perfect imperfections as parents. That's how it works. Again, we need to get into reality that we are perfectly imperfect as parents, and we are doing these things to our children as well. Even if we've been highly educated on how to be a parent, we are human. And it is human to make mistakes as a parent. Okay? Also, when it comes to setting boundaries, we have to recognize that we will tend to either fall in the pleasing mode or uh, avoidance mode and use power. And so are your boundaries, you know, or lack of boundaries about pleasing others? Or do you set boundaries or avoid people to exercise power? Remember, most of the ways we exercise our enmeshment is through disempowerment or false empowerment. Which way are you doing it? Are you boundary-less? That would be disempowered. Are you controlling, manipulative, um, angry, detached, um, career-focused? Those That would be avoidance. Okay? So that's the falsely empowered. All right? Step number four. We need to seek out hobbies and activities for ourselves. And the key, there are two keys to seeking out hobbies and activities. The first one is this. Find a hobby and activity that has no accolade or no approval in it. The falsely empowered, they pursue activities, careers, interests because they need the acceptance and the approval and the accolades. That's why they do it. That's the enmeshed dynamic because they couldn't get it from their parent. That's what I did. That's what anybody who chooses success, like all of the uber successful people, that's an enmeshed dynamic where they're falsely empowered. They're looking for accolades and approval outside of themselves by their achievements. So find hobbies and activities where there's no accolade and no approval other than from within yourself. That's for the falsely empowered. Now for the disempowered, they give themselves away. This is the people pleaser type. So they, most times in their activities, they're getting trampled on. So they need to find activities that bring them joy. I will never forget this. When I first started healing from my enmeshment, my counselor asked me to make a list of things that brought me joy, hobbies and activities. I came back the next week. Nothing but one thing, hitting golf balls. Because I hadn't played golf. I, I played pro hockey, got married, did other things. I ended up playing pro golf later. But that was the only thing. I had no sense of anything other than sports that would bring me joy. Nothing. No outside interest. I'll never forget. I, we, I was playing hockey and we did this like two, three week tour through Europe. It was Czechoslovakia, Sweden, Finland. And on off days the team would go sightseeing. People are seeing castles. Like there's, I have pictures, everyone else's pictures. But that whole trip, when everyone would go sightseeing, I would sleep on the bus. I didn't know I could pursue anything outside of hockey. I literally didn't. That's how much I lost my soul, gave my soul away to try and get my parents to love me. I went to one uh, one, I went on one sightseeing 
excursion. I think it was, it was either Sweden or Finland. The bus was parked outside of a museum. I went inside and they, their fallen leaders, they would save their army uniforms. And there was one of one who had been shot, the bullet hole. I just remember standing over, looking at that case with the bullet hole. That was the only excursion I went on. I had no concept of who I was. Now you may be, if you're falsely empowered, then you're doing everything and anything. But do you have joy in it? And why are you doing it? What are you trying to get out of it? Can you just do it for the sake of, of joy? Probably not. Can you not do it? That's the other thing. Can you sit still and not do anything? That's step four, seeking out hobbies and activities that are meant to bring us joy and don't, don't, aren't there to seek accolades, accomplishment, or approval. Number five, develop emotional mastery, emotional mastery. For the disempowered, quit giving your power away. Quit giving your feelings away. Quit making excuses for your parents. Quit making excuses for your spouse or your partner who's abusive or your children, whatever it may be, career. Quit giving your power away. Your feelings are yours. You created them. That's the other thing to the disempowered. All of these people, the politically correct people and the cancel culture who's running around telling everyone, you can't use that word or phrase. That's a microaggression. You're hurting me. Whether this is transgender, any of them, doesn't matter. Pick all of them. All of the social causes where they're trying to control language. This is a disempowered, codependent, most likely also enmeshed. They are giving their power away, asking the world to solve their problem. That's what they're doing. Nobody makes us feel anything unless we allow. And the reason those words make us feel, think of it. Like, think of what all these social causes are. They're going against the norms of society. Well, what did their parents think about them going against the norms of society? That they were bad kids. They were shamed, right? So instead of healing the shame from their parents, they're asking the world to heal their shame. They learn to believe. See, ultimately, when we try and control other people's language, thoughts, and beliefs, it's because we haven't healed ourselves. We got sent the message that our thoughts and beliefs about this topic aren't okay. And so ultimately, we feel shame that we have this thought and belief about ourselves. Whether I'm straight, gay, whatever it is, doesn't matter what social cause it is. We got sent the message, it's bad to have this belief. And we've never healed that. We've never claimed our authentic self and said, no, this is who I am. And so now we're asking the whole world to do it for us. It's not their job. They can't do it. That's a process only we can recover. And so we need to develop emotional mastery and quit giving our power away. Our feelings are ours. They are not our parents. The politically correct and social, so-called social conscience People have lost themselves. They are not authentically authentic who they are. And that's why they are caught up in this trap of thinking that others make them think, feel, do, or believe anything. They are stuck in the shame and enmeshment of their childhood. Your feelings are yours. You created them as a child to survive what you went through. They do those terrible feelings that you experienced 
are a result of the caregiving you experienced as a child. Your anger and resentment is at them, not the world. Learn to get into reality about that truth and heal the original pain. Now, to do that, you need to find the source of the original pain. And so my proof to you that this isn't the person sitting across from you or at a college campus or whatever, is when that feeling comes up, when somebody says that disparaging word that you're trying to control and get them not to do, ask yourself, what am I feeling? Where, and I was going to say, I'll get to it in a second. What am I feeling? Where in my body do I feel it? And what's my first memory of having this feeling? You're going to trace every single person. You're going to see it's childhood. This is the source of the original wounding and enmeshment. This is where you learned this belief that it's bad. All right? Now, you get to make a choice. If you're going to hold on, that feeling that you have, that this is bad and terrible, was placed into you by your caregivers. Now, for, for the first time, you're aware of it. So you get to choose. Are you going to carry it the rest of your life? Or are you going to assess it and choose your own feeling? That's what's in front of you. Now, to do that, I have made my Emotional Mastery course free. I used to charge for it, but I realized this is so critical. The world doesn't know Emotional Mastery that I literally can't charge for it. Like you'll, Because people won't invest in themselves. They get all upset about paying for things, and that's not about me. That's about them. They don't think they're worth it because their parents say, oh, you can't invest in yourself. You have to be enmeshed with me. How dare you spend money on trying to make yourself better and reclaiming your authentic self? No, no, no. And I always find, because people always, when they look at personal development, they determine, they um, not coin it. What's the right word? Man, it frustrates me when my brain does this to me. Um, they define it as a cost. Isn't that funny? Reclaiming our authentic self is a cost. That's the shame and enmeshment right there. Oh my God, that costs so much. Wow. Yeah, reclaiming myself, getting rid of the shame and everything is a cost. Like that's how detrimental the messages are that I'm bad. I cost. Putting up with me as a child was a cost in this family. That was the message I got sent. I'll never forget that. Picking out football equipment. I was so excited. I loved equipment. It looked cool. And I had to grow and I got all new stuff. So we tried shoulder pads, helmet, everything. Man. And they'd come out with this new style helmet. I was like the first one to get, oh, it was just the coolest thing ever. And I'm all excited. And finally, you know, I turned to my dad and he's like, well, is that it? Do you need anything else? Oh, that's when I learned I was a cost. I was a burden. From that moment on, man, I was silent. I learned to pay for and do everything on my own because I was not going to be a cost in my father's eyes. And so that's what we're all going through. And so we have to, I had to learn. That's why I had money problems, bankruptcy, because I always saw myself as a cost. That's why now when I go out to eat or something, like I give 30, 50, 70% tips, like, I just love to give the money. I'm like, you know, money will come back. I don't know how, somehow, some way, but I'm not a cost. I'm an investment. 
And when I take myself out to eat, I'm investing in myself. And so the tip is an investment in me. It's as much like it's not so much about their service as I'm worth it. I'm worth it. A tip to me shows my worth for myself. Because what do we mostly do? Oh, like I used to look at menus and go, well, that's $13.72. Well, I really want that. That's $14.95. Oh, another dollar. I didn't think I was worth that extra dollar. And oh my God, a Coke, yeah, that's $2.70 now at a, or maybe $3 or $4 at some restaurants. Oh, I'll just have water. To heck with that. I want the Coke. I want all of it because I'm worth it now. That's a belief I decided to change. I didn't think I was worth it. That's why I always struggled and was broke and bankrupt. Well, it's not that I'm filthy rich. Like I don't have all that much money, but I don't care. I believe it will come and take care of itself. And so I invest in myself and I tip big because I'm worth it. That's how I see it. Now, that may not be your belief around tipping and money. You get to decide that for yourself. But do you see, my father sent the message, I was a cost. I looked at that belief. I can stay enmeshed and believe my father, or I can choose my own belief. What I decided to believe is, hell no. I buy clothes and all these different things because they're an investment in me, and I'm worth every penny. And so are you. Quit defining things that matter to you as a cost. I have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars with counselors and programs because I'm worth the investment. Whatever it is that matters to you, you may not, personal development and reclaiming yourself may not matter to you. That's fine. I don't need it to matter to you. Whatever it is that matters to you, start investing in it because you're worth it. Every single penny. All of it. Step number six, grieve. To do this, I encourage you to watch my Worst Day Cycle playlist. This will walk you through the process of how to reclaim yourself so that you can grieve yourself. Now, I'm not going to lie. Doing this enmeshment process, it's going to hurt. You're going to hurt because you're dealing with developmental trauma that you have suppressed minimized, denied, and ignored through giving yourself away, either being the disempowered or the falsely empowered, or like myself, bouncing between the two. Like I realized relationship-wise, I would start as the, the falsely empowered love avoidant. But as soon as you committed to me, boom, I would become the disempowered love addict. I'd lose myself, completely give myself away. But my fear because of the enmeshment dynamic and my mother and father's manipulation, that's the falsely empowered, very walled off and, and cautious. But once I felt so-called safe, boom, I dropped here. I couldn't stay me in the middle. I couldn't be moderate and mature. I didn't know how. My whole childhood was a bounce between the two. How would I know? So learning to let go of those two is going to hurt because these are the only things I know. They're not true. They're false personas. They're mal. They're adaptive. And so I have to find this. Well, that's going to hurt. It's like an infant being born into the world. Kids cry a lot because it's confusing. Well, I cried a lot too. 
The world is confusing when your so-called adult should have your SHIT together and you have no clue who you are. And I still have days like that where I wake up and I am completely clueless. The difference is, is I've woken up clueless enough that I'm like, okay, it's all right. I know what to do to recenter myself. When you're here, you don't. And look at, look at a lot of the comments on my posts. Most people are here. They just lost. Pure panic. No idea how to get to here. Well, to get to here, you have to make an investment in yourself. You have to commit that you want to love yourself. And that requires grieving. You have to remember you were never allowed to be autonomous. You have to let go of the false self and reclaim your authentic and real self. And a big piece of the grief process, what you probably have never done before, is you need <clears throat> to give yourself permission to rage. To rage. I, that was the toughest part for me was to actually get in touch with that it's okay to be angry. Because when you give away your life, whether you go falsely empowered or disempowered, do you see what that ultimately means? It's a complete rejection of us. <clears throat> Remember our parents gaslit us into believing that they did everything for us and, and they molded us into what they needed. And we did that we, we went along with it as a survival mechanism. We had to, to survive. And so to face that rage is, brings us into the terror of what it would be, of what we experienced as a child. Here, this is the best way to say it. If you haven't done it, go skydiving. I went skydiving, I don't know, a year ago maybe, and I was all excited. I've, I've dreamed all my life of flying. I had no fear. I don't have much fear of things in my life anyway. I've always been kind of a daredevil because my childhood was so chaotic. It's just filled with fear, and I just learned to deal with it. And So I don't really get afraid. Well, f we all get afraid, but I don't get like, oh, I don't want to do that out of fear, which happens to a lot of people. And... So I'm all excited and everything. I'm in a great mood, peaceful, like, oh my God, I get to fly. All my life I've wanted to fly. And we get to the edge and all of a sudden I start to get this feeling and then we drop. I, pure panic. You know, and as, if you've done it, you know, they let you use the things to kind of guide yourself down. And he was doing that. I said, you need to take these. And he's not kind of listening. I'm like, you need to, and finally I yelled at him, you need to take these or I'll let it go. I, I had splintered from myself. I had detached. And I didn't trust myself. I was like, I'm going to let these go. And I'm like, but Kenny, you know you can't let them go. You die. Like, but I didn't trust myself. I knew I wasn't present. I was in pure shock and trauma. And I was overwhelmed by the experience and it took me a while until I got back in my body as I, you know, when I drove away and on the way home, what it hit me was, oh my God, that free fall, that sheer terror you experience when you free fall, it hit me. That was my childhood. Oh my God, that's what it was like to be a child in my home. 
like, see, that's the thing. We're too young to process how difficult all of these things are. And that's why, because we don't have the cognition or the emotional development, we, we minimize it. Oh, it's not affecting me, Kenny. No, you're wrong. It's not a worst day cycle. No, the narcissist said, no, no, no. That, that's the child who's underdeveloped and can't make sense of things. And so their reasoning, try and have a deep discussion with a six-year-old. Not possible. Why? They don't have the development. Well, how are they going to classify what's going on in their childhood experience at any level of depth? Impossible. And so we're 60 years old and we're still using that same logic to think about our childhood. We're stuck there. We're not in reality. We have a six-year-old, four-year-old, 10-year-old, two-year-old, whatever, you know, developmental trauma happens throughout childhood. And so we are an infant, an adolescent. Our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs about what we went through is at that age. There's no reality to it. And the depth and breadth of the enormity of the pain we're experiencing, we don't have the development to process it and share it. That's why most kids with child therapy, it's, you know, playing with dolls. They, it's too big. And so that's what brought home to me is now I'm an adult. I'm, I've been working on this for decades. And I realized as I fell, oh, my God. This is what it was like to be a child growing up. Holy wow. Like it freaked me out. Oh my God, now I get it. This is what it was like to find my mom passed out on the toilet. This is what it was like to be yelled at by my father. This is what it was like that my mother, you couldn't make a sound because she'd sleep for three hours every day. Like, oh, being kicked out of the house, go play Saturday, seven o'clock in the morning. Don't come home until dinner. Just all the abandonment and neglect over and over and over and over. That's how terrifying it was. That's what we need to do. Well, that's grief. That's, think of how sad that is. We need to mourn that and we need to rage. We need to rage. Now, I'm not saying you have to rage at your parents if they're still alive. That might be. Those are individualized cases that need to be dealt with individually. <clears throat> but we need to give ourselves permission to get into truth about what we experienced. Finally, number seven. Most likely, this should be done with a professional. You can do some of it on your own, but you're here. And your pain brought you here. And you're stuck in your pain. You're not attached to yourself. You're enmeshed. How can this child, who's never learned what a true healthy relationship is or feels like, can get here? They can't teach themselves. Because it's we're still a child, even if we're 70. We need somebody to teach us how to get here, to do the role that our parents, although they wanted to, again, I firmly believe that, that all they ever cared about was getting us here, but they weren't able to. It doesn't have to be me, but you need a professional. I don't know how other professionals look at their job, but this is how I see mine. My job is to provide the child and each one of my clients, the support they never had. 
that for the first time in their life, they have somebody who's always on their side. Like anything out of my mouth, any suggestion I make is in the best interest of that little child inside of them that was never heard, never noticed, never registered, and never given a voice. That's all I'm ever doing is supporting that child. That's it. Now, there are many ways to do that, but that's my role. This child needs safety. Well, if we're stuck here and we've never experienced safety, how can we get here? We need a model, a teacher that shows us how to have relationship safely. Again, it doesn't have to be me, but find a professional. You can't, these, this enmeshment dynamic, it's too shame-based, embarrassing, and confusing to navigate on your own. You need somebody to help you. I, I beg you, please, invest in yourself. You're worth it. You deserve support. You deserve to feel safe. That's the biggest thing. You deserve safety. So there are your seven, seven ways. I could, there's thousands of things that could help you, but I picked out seven that I thought were important. Um, I highly encourage you to invest in yourself in whatever way you think is best for you. Now, there's several different ways I help people do that. One is my book, Your Journey to Success. I highly encourage you to pick that up. Um, it'll help you see how the worst day cycle is working and how the enmeshment dynamics, codependent dynamics, everything are permeating your life so you can get into reality and begin this process. It also gives you a cursory starting point on some of the exercises to start healing. If you're ready to invest in yourself more, I still, I offer the Emotional Mastery course free. Go to www.thegreatnessyou.com. That gets you the basics, the feelings wheel and all of that um, to start healing your trauma. Now, if you're ready to invest in yourself, then I have a whole suite of master classes. I encourage you to take all of them. You need them. I mean, you need that information. Now, you don't have to take mine. Again, if you don't like the way I teach or talk about things, find a teacher that you like and feel safe with. The key is, do you feel safe and do you trust? And begin their processes, their programs. And you're probably going to need several. You're going to need to bounce around because everyone has nuggets that you know, will resonate with you. But make the investment in yourself. Um, so those are some of the ways. Obviously, I work with people individually and I have private groups. If you want to learn more about those, send me a private message. I'll be happy to tell you about them. But please, however you do it, make the investment in yourself. You're worth it. You're worth it. If you think this video will help somebody, please share it. The only way we're going to stop this enmeshment dynamic is if parents know what enmeshment looks like and the ramifications of it so we can have these open, honest conversations. So that's why I ask you to like, comment, and share so that we can get this message out. So please like it, please follow me, and please share it so that others can get the information that they deserve. And as always, wherever you are, enjoy the journey.